You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. Okay, first slide please. Not many slides this morning. No shoot, Vinny. No shoot. Don't do it, Vinny. Don't shoot. So, I see this picture every morning. As I come down my stairs, it's up there. No shoot, Vinny. No shoot. And if I could sum my sermon up this morning in three words, it would be take the shot. Okay? A little bit of context of this, and we'll just come back to it at the end. So here, actually, I know nothing about this, do I? I mean, this is football. I know today's a big day of sport, but I know nothing. Who can give a bit of more background about this shot? Oh, <laughs> husband, unprepared. Can we put him on here? Okay, there we go. You give us the background. So this is Vincent Company. Uh, uh, and not Vince Cable, as Gaynor said to me earlier on. Um, <laughs> there is a striking resemblance, I know. But, and we were playing Leicester, and we needed to win to keep up with Liverpool. And um, Sorry, Manchester City. Is it, is it not obvious from the shirt? No, it's not. And uh, so this is about April time, and it was getting towards 10 minutes to go. And we were thinking, oh, we're going to draw, we're going to lose the, the Premier League. And Vincent Company, who's a defender, doesn't normally shoot, uh, steps up and goes near the goal and makes like he's going to take a shot and all around the stadium saying, don't do it, don't do it, it's going to go flying high in the sky and he whacks it straight in the top right-hand corner and um, yeah, happy days, glory, world erupts, well, part of Manchester erupts anyway. Happy days, glory, take the shot. That's all this sermon is. Take the shot. So, yeah, I am setting up a market stall today for your delight. And at my stall, I'm going to be selling you some apples this morning. I think this is going to be quite an easy sale. And I think most of you here are going to say, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go for the apples. But what I've also got is a claw hammer. And actually, this is not a mallet this morning. For the purposes of this talk, this is a lady sledgehammer. Okay, so I've got these two things that are on sale today, and these two things represent ideas or beliefs or truths, if you like, that that I've come to believe that are important for me. So these are things that I've grown to believe are true. So what the apples represent and what these represent. And what I want to do this morning is just sell it to you. Just say, hey, is this just for me or is this for you as well? Is there something here that we at Oasis Bar need to be taking on board? The apples are a bit about looking back. The lady sledgehammer is about looking forward. So, 
first thing I'm going to try and sell you is the belief that we are called to be fruitful. Easy sell? Yeah? Okay. Let's just make sure all of us are on the right page about what it does mean to be fruitful. Okay. Someone, do you buy into this? Blessed is the church who loves God's ways. That church is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. wither. Whatever she does prospers. Do you buy into that? That as a church, we are called to be fruitful, to follow God's ways, to stay rooted into him and be fruitful. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1. This kind of poetry that describes how creation was set in place, what God's design was. Genesis 1.22, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. And throughout Genesis, you've got this phrase, be fruitful and increase, be fruitful and increase, be fruitful and increase. It's all over Genesis. It's part of the design of creation. But it's not just about growing in number, because otherwise God could just said, increase in number. He says, be fruitful and increase in number. And towards the end of Genesis, he actually begins to describe people as being fruitful. Joseph is a fruitful vine. A fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. It doesn't say anything about how many descendants Joseph had, but just that Joseph is fruitful. Are we called to be fruitful? John 15, verse 5, Jesus speaking to his disciples. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So for Joseph, who was fruitful, he'd arrived in Egypt as an alien, and it's what he did to help and bless his country during a time of great need. That at the end of Genesis, God says to him, yeah, you're fruitful, Joseph. It's what you've done with what I've given you. You've been fruitful. And I wonder if John 15, Jesus is saying, being fruitful is about, it's what we do about where we go, what we do with what's God given us, and how we walk with the Holy Spirit in blessing others. And I guess that most of us have already bought into this. Yes, blessed to be a blessing, that's part of our ethos. We believe that we've received good things and then we pass those things on to other people. We've signed up for Oasis Herb. When we did our advert of jo for Joe, we said this, the purpose of our herb is to serve the whole person, the whole community, and to show that all people are able to flourish socially, physically, emotionally, spiritually, educationally, environmentally, morally, whoa. We want to bless people. We want to see people flourish. We want to be fruitful so that other people can experience that richness, that fruitfulness, that flourishing. And we've made some radical changes to how we, our structures and how we do our community life so we can do that. Remember, it's not about big balances, big bank balances, is it? And it truly is, it's not about good health all the time, is it? But listen to these words from Jeremiah 29. This is what it's about. 
about building houses, being settled, being fruitful, that we seek the peace and prosperity of the city in which we are planted. So being fruitful is about feeling settled and secure ourselves so that we are able to and prosperity and flourishing for those around us who are not experiencing that same level of peace and rest that we are. So, easy sell, who is going to buy an apple this morning? Come now and get your apple. Quick, I have only got, what, 18. Come now, come on. Lee, please, I, I think you're signed up. Come on, get an apple. Okay, go and get an apple. Come on, come on, come on, quick one. Dave, thank you. Yeah, yeah, not just the leaders of the church, please. We've all signed up into this Oasis thing. We're all thinking, okay. Okay, right. Some of you don't want to leave your seats, and that's absolutely fine. Okay. Just um, one more thing here before we move on, because that was quite an easy sell, wasn't it? You gullible, lovely, lovely volunteers. Okay, but I'm going to ask you now, why do you think God has chosen that image of fruit trees and vines to help us understand what it means to flourish? Why? Okay, because it's got that lovely analogy. Actually, these fruits need to be carefully pruned. Wow, we have an amazing gardener who's doing that, who sees how we are going to be fruitful. So that analogy really helps us. We need to be pruned to be more fruitful. Anything else? It, it's not all the time. So we have that understanding that in kingdom life, there's going to be setbacks. There's going to be times we don't see fruit, but there will be fruit. And that gives us great hope that we will have fruit in abundance in due season. And just a little thought has just popped into my head, a word that I said to Joe, we have not seen fulfilled in this church. It's a word that Paul Green gave to the leadership team back in 2014. And the word was, the sowers and the reapers will rejoice together. And saying the gap between sowing and seeing the fruit is going to get smaller for our community. So yeah, we do go in seasons, but I think there's that promise that for us, and we haven't seen this yet, I don't think, the gap between us sowing and going out, sowing with our seeds, and seeing the fruit is going to get shorter, the time gap. And I'm excited about that. So, Paul, I'm really holding on to that word. I think it is still important for us. Okay. So, at the center of this apple, you're going to find seeds. Dave, how many seeds do you think are in your apple? Six. Okay, Dave, I know that you are a fantastic gardener. So, Dave, you take those six seeds. How many apple trees, given the best, most wonderful compost, okay, that you can take away, how many apple trees are you going to get from those seeds? Six. Okay, you are blessed, Dave. You will get six. Okay, so we have got one apple, given six apple trees. Okay, Mathematician here, okay. Mr. Tricky, okay, six apple trees. Wait, cut down, stay with us. Okay, how many apples do you think on each apple tree? Not yet. <laughs> uh, 
a hundred apples. So on Dave's apple trees, there's going to be a hundred apples. So from one apple, in the course of one planting and seeing the harvest, how many apples have you now got? So we've got 600, okay? So we've got 600. So we've got 600 apples, and if those all have six seeds in them, we've now got... 3,600 seeds. And I wonder if God uses this imagery of fruit trees to help us understand that that phrase, be fruitful and increase, is actually huge increase, huge fruitfulness, that from one seed comes the potential for enormous life. And I don't know whether we have really got our heads around that. Bill Johnson, who I like to listen to quite a lot, says the father is extremely focused on increase. The cycle of life is a cycle of increase and great fruitfulness. A seed is a very visible way of just grasping that it looks dead and yet has the potential for enormous life. So those people who picked up an apple and if you want to pick one up afterwards, you can take one. I want you to take your apple home this afternoon, eat it, see how many seeds are in there. Put your seeds out on the windowsill, and then I want you to plant those seeds this week. Not in your back garden, but I want you to take the seed and I want you to plant it into people's lives. Because the seed, of course, is the word of God. And God's word is not like our words. God's word, let there be light, brings things into being. And you, we, we all have God's words in us. Because we've got the Holy Spirit in us, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in one Cor 2 Corinthians, it talks about so much, chapters 1 to 5, we are God's ambassadors. We are Christ's, the letter of Christ. It's if God was making his appeal through us. We speak the words of God. So I'm wondering if we can go and plant some seeds in people's lives this week. Seeds of affirmation. I was listening to Rob Bell do a podcast the other day. And he, it, the podcast, I would recommend it. It was about wisdom and talking about talking. And he just reminded me that the words in the Old Testament, God's words, are, are, are not like our words. God's words carry weight, substance, and create new possibilities. Has anybody ever spoken something into your life that is like oh, a new way of looking at things? Suddenly, it's like, whoa, that word has just got planted in me, and it just leads to this, this, and that. Yes, thank you, Sue. Can I pass you the mic? Pass Lee the mic. Who's got the mic? Have I got the mic? <laughs> like, where's my keys? Where's my keys? I've got my keys. When we were preparing um, one of the bunt blessing gifts, it was um, a, a bunting. And um, we were making some bunting ourselves um, with the lovely Joe Rich and um, I'm quite anxious when it comes to sort of doing all the crafty things I can see it in my head but making it reality is quite difficult 
And um, something Joe said was, no, just cut, just cut. And those two words have stayed with me for a very long time. Um, that actually sometimes you just need to start the process. You just need to do that one thing to actually make the whole project a reality. And I think something like that, that little seed, you wouldn't even have known you said it and you wouldn't even have realized what it meant. But it's just sort of hung in my thing. Whenever I try something new or I'm, I'm worried about starting a new project, it's just like, just cut, just, just do it, just start it. You know, there is purpose in what you're trying to achieve and it's all being done for a good reason and there is a good outcome. And yeah, so that I, I felt that that was just the tiniest of little seeds. Sorry, Joe, embarrassing you. Um, but yeah, just a really, really small, small thing, just two words, and I just feel like it's, it's blessed me, and now I feel I can go on and bless others through the things that I have the courage to do. I'm sure that many of us have little stories like that, just a few words that somebody said to us, just cut, just take the shot, just take the seed and go and plant it. Trust in. As Lee said when she read out those words from Romans 8 in the message, that just the little things that we do can have powerful, powerful impact for the kingdom. Okay. Now I'm going to try and sell you these, and I think it's going to be a bit harder. So you're ready for the hard sell. Okay. Do you ever worry that people think you're a bit crazy? Yeah. Okay, I worry about this a lot in my life. Sometimes I have conversations with people, and a lot of the time I have conversations with people, and I walk away, and the one thought going through my head is, oh, no, they're going to think I'm nuts. They're going to think I'm crazy. Keep your mouth shut, Gainer. You see, I am an internal optimist for the kingdom of God, and I totally utterly, completely believe in the redeeming, restoring power of grace to transform. And there is nothing at the moment that has happened in my life that has told me otherwise. So I've signed up to Isaiah 61, Luke 4, and John 21. John 20, 21. Now, you might not know these, but these are words that are engraved in my head. Isaiah 61, you are anointed to set the prisoners free, give the blight their sign, one their sight, the words that we had around the church once. And then Luke 4, Jesus stood up and said, today this prophecy is fulfilled, hear me now. I am anointed to give sight to the blind, to set the prisoners free. And then John 20, 21, as, I am sent, as the Father sends me, so I am sending you. And I totally, utterly believe that we, the church, are the anointed ones that are to set the prisoners free. To give light to those who are walking in darkness. So, I take the shot. I just start the cut. I push the doors. I try to follow through with that idea that pops into my head. And I take risks. Not all the time, but I like to think, now I'm 50, I just go for it and I really don't care what people think. And in my conversations, I'm thinking, what are the seeds that I'm planting? Or how are my words going to be the water that is going to help those seeds that somebody else has planted grow? 
But after I've had those conversations, I start thinking, oh my goodness, who do you think you are, Gaynor Williams? You're just a mum trying to keep afloat of what's going on in school. You know, you still can't do PowerPoint properly. Who do you think you are? But I, I pick myself up and I have learned to laugh it off now. And that's because of who my biblical heroes are. Now, you can forget Moses, Abraham, Esther, Ruth. For me, it's Jeremiah and Ezekiel. These are the guys that I truly identify with from the Old Testament. So let me just remind you who these people are. Okay. So Jeremiah and Ezekiel were called to speak into their culture about 500, 600 BC. Okay. Jeremiah saw many of the last kings of Israel and Judah out. And then Ezekiel was there for that last bit, and Ezekiel was carried into exile in Babylon. And you have two people who are speaking around about the same time in history into their culture. So they had the seed, they had the word of God, they were prophets, but it wasn't always a word to encourage, to bless, to affirm. Because when these guys spoke, their words were supposed to break into the established systems of governance, governance, religious life, politics, economics, and law. And their job was to say, no, this is not God's way. You're neglecting the poor. You're trampling on the widows. You have forgotten Yahweh. You're supposed to be shepherds, but the most vulnerable amongst you are ill, not cared for, and lost. Don't get me wrong, both of these individuals knew God's plan was fruitfulness. Jeremiah 29, Ezekiel 17, and then the last part of Ezekiel in particular, you can see they had a vision for what God wanted to do, settle his people, let them be fruitful. Then they'd see peace and prosperity around, around them. And Ezekiel in particular was able to see ahead to what it's going to look like when God's kingdom came. The picture of the temple with the river flowing out of it, the trees that were always in fruit. And he saw that. But they were called speak against what was going on in their day. And these people encouraged me because at the start of their ministries, in the first few chapters of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, you can see that they both thought, God, you, you've got it wrong. I'm the wrong person to do this job. And God says to both of them, if you look at the passages, it's like saying, God says, I know that you are going to be lone voices in your culture. I know you've got an unpopular message, but don't be afraid. I know this is going to be tough. I know this is like mission impossible, but I'm going to make you strong. So Jeremiah, in verse 17, it says, get yourself ready, stand up, and say to them whatever I command you. Don't be terrified. 
say, I've made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against what this kingdom believes in. Jeremiah, I am making you a bronze wall. Don't be afraid. And to Ezekiel, he says something very similar. To Ezekiel, he says, again, stand up. Don't be afraid. Say what I'm going to say. But I will make you as unyielding and hardened as they are. So you're going to people, they don't want to hear your message. They're going to be obstinate. I will make your forehead like the hardest stone, harder than flint. So he says, okay, guys, you've got a tough message to speak into your culture, but I'm going to make you rock hard. I'd like to be rock hard for the kingdom of God, wouldn't you? I really would like to be someone who said, actually, no, that's not right. This is God's way. Keep going with that message and not have doubt and discouragement and fall from the way and then have to be brought back. I'd love to be like that. So what's this got to do with the sledgehammer and claw hammer? And it's because a few months ago, God showed me something new in Jeremiah that I'd never seen before. And I'm going to read it to you. It's in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth. He was anointed. His words were anointed. And he said to me, Now I've put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. So I have appointed you to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. I've appointed you to uproot tear down, destroy, overthrow. I much prefer planting a building. But this was Jeremiah's calling. And when I read those words, just something went through me that I needed to take note that Jeremiah was called to plant and build, but he was also called to do some tough Demolishing work. What he was called to uproot was the kingdom that was set up in opposition to God's kingdom. The ways of thinking and doing things that were in opposition to God's ways. The governance, the religious life, the politics and the economics that were not God's way. And his task was to use his words to take those structures down. We would look at it and say that Jeremiah didn't actually succeed because they were carried off into exile. They didn't turn. But that was what he was supposed to be doing. 
And as we look forward to what we are supposed to be doing in Oasis next year, I'm just wondering, is there something else that we need to add to our store, our beliefs, our understanding, if you like, that, yeah, we are called to plant and build as part of enabling our communities to flourish. But are some of us called to uproot and tear down? Are some of us called to destroy and overthrow? Do some of us need to buy a spiritual sledgehammer? Because I do. I think I'm in the business now. Almost reluctantly, I didn't mean to get here. I've just found myself in the business where God is saying to me, Gainer, there are some things that I want you to start tearing down. Steve, can you put the next slide up, please, for us? Thank you. We're going to sing this song in a minute. Just read through some of the lyrics. I realize that this might be a difficult thing for us to take on board this morning, that perhaps God is calling us as a community to be ready to do some tearing down. So I want to try and sell it to you. I want to give you two things, and this is the first thing. This song we sing, we talk about the reckless love of God coming after us. Wow. God, you left the 99 to come and find me. There's no mountain you won't climb up to get me. When I'm living in darkness, you're going to shine it up, light, light it up for me. And that is really great. But over the last few months, when we've been singing this song in church, I've just had this sense, we need to look at the words of this again. And I'm thinking, actually, is this an anthem for us? Is this a song that actually describes who we are going to be in the coming months? Remember, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. We are the gospel. We are the good news. We are the aroma of Christ, the letter of Christ. Remember, God is making his appeal to us. Did Jesus uproot and tear down? Did Jesus destroy and overthrow? Did Jesus attack the governance, the economics, the laws, the religious life of his day and say, no, this is God's way? Did he say it or did he live a life that actually says, look at me, look at what I'm doing, look at the boundaries that I'm crossing, Look at the dividing walls that I'm tearing down just by meeting the woman at the well. Was that Jesus' heart? Do we need to wrestle with that? So we are the ones who are chasing after the one now. And I have to ask myself, who is it that I'm chasing after? Who am I fighting for? I could tell you afterwards, I'll tell you exactly who I'm fighting for. It's a young woman who's got six kids and she lives quite near to me. 
she has lived through enormous darkness. What shadows are we lighting up? What walls are we kicking down? What lies are we tearing down? We sing this song, God's love for us, but we are God to our community. So therefore we need to be shown reckless love. Love that says, get lost. No, I am running after you. I am gonna just tear down everything that is stopping you receiving that restorative, redemptive grace of God. It's a harder one to buy into, isn't it? Okay, the second thing is, okay, there's this song that we sing, saying, let's think about those lyrics and how do they apply for us going out. The second thing is, Jo, when she came here, she did a period of listening and talking to people. And then one evening she came here and she said, look, these are the three areas that I think we need to be working in. She said, one, loneliness in the elderly. Number two, food poverty. Number three, we need to be dealing with the causes, the root causes, not the symptoms. We need to be involved in activism and campaigning. And for me, that's what this is all about. It's about making our voice heard, recognizing that we have had prophetic dimension, which is not what we say or a vision or a picture, but it's a lifestyle that speaks out against the accepted norms and status quo of our society. It says, well, we're always going to have the poor. Well, you know, there's always going to be people on income support. Well, we're always going to have kids who are like this. And I don't know. Should we be more a church in the future that is speaking out against unjust systems, lack of funding, lack of access to key areas of mental health and well-being? Proverbs 31, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of the destitute, speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and needy. We spent a whole year having Green Sunday great really important what's the next thing that we're going to be looking at i'm wondering do we need as a church to make ourselves much more aware of poverty out there what is going on what are the needs where are the gaps and where do we fit in we sang this morning a song you make the darkness tremble Bill Johnson, again, from Bethel, I like listening to him, said, some of us, like Ezekiel, Daniel, and Esther, are called to work in places of great darkness. So I have to ask myself, though, is this just me? Is this just me? Or is this something for a few of us? Or is this something for all of us to embrace? Because I now have ended up working in school and I believe that my ministry, my calling, is to be working pastorally within a school context so I can meet students and families who are vulnerable and in need. And so because of that, I'm just beginning this and I am no expert, but I know that in Bath, there are children that sleep on bare mattresses on the floor with just one blanket over them. I know that in Bath there are children that go to school and they're always hungry and tired. I know that there are children in Bath 
who have got 18 months to wait before they can get their first appointment for somebody to help them with depression. I know that there are children in Bath who have seen their mother thrown to the floor by their father in domestic violence. And you know that as well. And this is just the little that I've seen in the past few months, but you know that. I like this quote, it's from a psychologist, a psychologist, a Russian one, who did some groundbreaking work in the 80s and 90s on child development. And um, previously, psychology, they were just looking at the individual child, but he said, actually, no, you need to look at the child and its family, the society, the economics, and the politics, because that all affects the development of a child. And he said, every child needs at least one adult who is irrationally crazy about him or her. Reckless love. Every child in our city needs at least one adult who is prepared to show them reckless love of the father. And there are some children that don't have that. So I say, is it just me? But I look at our community and we're signed up to Oasis. And at the heart of Oasis is working with children and young people and schools. And I find that interesting. I also find it interesting that so many of us here are teachers or governors or involved in some significant way in the education of our kids. And so I'm wondering, is God saying to us, steward well the freedom and grace that I have given you that's brought you this far to be an inclusive community. Steward well the freedom and grace that I have given you. And remember that freedom also carries a responsibility. So we have a responsibility as a community, as a com community to begin to kick in down doors, tearing down walls, plant and build. And I have to remember that my words are spoken with gentleness and compassion. And yet, actually, what I'm doing is I am coming against the kingdom that is in opposition to God's kingdom, the lies that have been spoken over kids. I am speaking to break down the walls that they have had to put around themselves to protect themselves because life has been very unstable for them. And I think that's my job. Is it bigger? So, in conclusion, that's my marketplace. That's what's on offer. This, if nothing, is telling you up to date where I'm up to. Okay? So, that's what it is. And I have to say, I am thrilled to be doing this Oasis journey with you. I love it. I think it's great. You energize me. I love meeting with you. I talk to you. I see what you're doing. I hear about your conversations. And you encourage me and you fuel me up. Before we got to this stage, some of us were saying, what is our unique calling in Bath? And I'm wondering, is there something in the kingdom of God that only Oasis Bath is called to do? Is there something about our structure, our location, our theology, our unique combination of experiences, gifts, and passions that means we've got something unique to do which is about tearing down 
taking our spiritual sledgehammer. We set ourselves on a trajectory that is a bit different and it sometimes clashes with the traditional model of church. And does that mean that therefore we are released to do more? You know that we're called to bear much fruit. Are we also called to do this as well? Break down structures that are in opposition to God's ways. Steve, can we have that final slide up? No shoot, Vinny. No shoot. These words were said to him by his manager, Pep. Thank you. And somebody called Sergio Aguero. Of course, I'm really up to date on Man City. Okay. And he said later in an interview, when he heard those people saying to him, no, he thought, yes. And it just spurred him on. And I think what was going on, he's in this game and he's thinking, boys, what's going on? This is our game. This is our win. We are supposed to win here. We're on the winning team. Right, I'm doing it. Out of my way, I'm going to take the shot. And he did this amazing shot straight into the top left-hand corner of the goalpost. He saw what was going on. He knew that he was on the winning team. He said, I'm going to take the shot. Guys, we are on the winning team, okay? We are going to be fruitful, but it's going to be hard. And I would just say to all of you, keep taking the shot. Or in Lee's case, keep making the cut. Okay, let's pray. Abba Father, you are so, so good to us and we love the gentleness and um, the, the compassion with which you deal with us. Father, we know that your heart is so huge and immense and you hold the children and families in this city in your hands and your heart is for them that they might flourish and thrive. Father, I pray for anything that I've said this morning that is not of you, that it would just be, just would fall away. But Father, those things that are from you would just be planted and that would grow and bring forth fruit in the right season, that we would continue walking with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we are on a journey and our hearts are to bring you glory and see your kingdom come here in our city. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.